This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, and we're growing our way up into episode number 21. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and we're here with episode number 21 of the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. Today's episode is going to cover what's normal and what's not when it comes to baby development. I don't really have any announcements or big news this week, so we're going to jump right into the podcast, though I hope that when I bring the podcast to you in a couple of weeks, I'll be able to finally announce that the naturalbirthandbabycare.com redesign is live. But I can't say that quite yet, so we'll jump right into the podcast. I wanted to go over baby development because I think that it's something that parents are really concerned about nowadays. And I guess parents have probably always been concerned about it, but now that there's so much monitoring of our pregnancies and our babies, I think that it comes more to the forefront and parents, they pay more attention to it than they would have in the past. When you know that your baby's going to go for his or her two-month checkup and the doctor's going to run down this list on his computer and ask you, has your baby done this? Is your baby doing that? You, You feel a little bit of anxiety and you wonder, is there something going on with my baby? What I'm going to do is go over some of what you can expect month by month from newborn up through your baby's first year. And I'm going to try and hit these things quickly, and then I'll go over some things to do when you're worried. I'll share some stories from our family's experience, and I'll also give you some resources that I think are really good for you to have if you're wanting to track baby development. When your baby is a newborn, the most important thing is really just to hold your baby and snuggle with your baby, smell your baby, let your baby smell you, let your baby nuzzle and nurse. All of that is really vital. And that's really what your baby needs. And you'll see normal responses to that. Your baby will indicate hunger by sucking on his or her fists. Your baby will nuzzle the breast and nuzzle into you. Your baby will just will show that he or she is aware and active. Your baby will settle and calm down when when you're holding him or her. And when dad, dad, when you hold the baby, the baby will calm down too. So all of these little bonding things are normal, but newborns aren't really terribly active and they sleep a whole lot. So what's normal from a newborn is for babies to be hungry every few hours And there's a range of normal in that. They say normally every two to three hours. Some babies are hungrier than that. You shouldn't let a nursing baby sleep more than about four hours during the day and five hours overnight wake your baby up if he or she is sleeping that long because you don't don't want a baby that's too sleep. It's normal for newborns to have floppy heads. They need head support. It's also normal for a newborn to be able to lift his or her head a little bit and turn it from side to side. They have some neck control, just not a lot. It's also normal for your newborn to stay in, it's kind of, it kind of looks like a little frog position. It's the fetal position, but they're a little bit more extended and they look like little frogs. I think it's absolutely precious. 
and that that position is normal and as your baby gets used to being out of the womb uh, he or she will stretch out a bit more. It's also normal for a newborn skin to be dry and flaky uh, for there to be congestion. Newborns tear ducts aren't open yet so it's normal for your newborn to cry and not have tears. So those are all things that are pretty normal for the little newborns and uh, when you're watching your newborn to see what's going on with him or her. A one-month-old is still very much a newborn and will act very much the same. Your baby may have begun to have uh, some patterns to sleeping, especially if you're pretty... um, if you're pretty deliberate about when you rest with baby, when you make sure that baby's eating and that sort of thing, some families have a nice routine and babies fall into that easily. Some parents are still, <laughs> everything is upside down at four weeks and that's fine too. So it's normal for your baby at this age to cry, to uh, to be able to, or, or to communicate with you, to let you know that he or she has a need. Um And you may also notice at this point that baby's beginning to make some other sounds, maybe some little gurgles and sounds like that. Your baby can raise his or her head up a little bit. Some newborns can do this and most four-week-olds can do this when they're laying on their stomach. We'll just hold their head up a little bit momentarily or when the baby has his or her head on your shoulder, we'll pop it up for just a minute before letting that heavy head fall back down. Uh, Your baby will probably start to watch things briefly, not sustained attention, but you'll be able to tell the baby's starting to say, hey, what's that, all that going on in my world? Uh, Your baby will try and get away from things that he or she doesn't like or protest things that he or she doesn't like, like diaper changes, or if you're using elimination communication, they may protest a potty position. Um, So it's just... Increasing awareness is really starting to show here. And nursing behaviors, the rooting sensation, rooting reflex, those are still very normal. There are other reflexes that are still very normal, such as when you lay your baby on uh, on baby's back, you'll see that baby kind of tends to put one arm up and the other is extended. On the stomach, baby will turn his or her head sideways. Um, those are all normal reflexive actions. At this point, your baby's starting to loosen up a little bit, but hands are still often balled in fists, and your baby still definitely has a soft spot. You may also notice baby smiles at this point. The quote-unquote experts say that, you know, babies can't smile, but I disagree with them, and you may be seeing baby, baby smiles already. Babies smile for real. It's true. And they like to have you close. So this is definitely still a time to be bonding with and loving on your baby. At two months of age, uh, babies are starting to really wake up. This is eight weeks. Your baby is still considered a newborn all the way until 12 weeks. So baby is still a newborn, but baby's really starting to wake up. When you're holding your baby upright against your body, your baby's most likely going to have his or her head up. Um, and the kind of bobbling, a little bobblehead doll baby is what you got right now. But that bobby head is, is completely normal. Um, 
at this point, your baby's really going to start tracking with his or her eyes and watching things that are going on, especially people. Babies are interested in people. And if you smile at your baby or you're sitting close to your baby just talking, looking straight at your baby and really interacting, you might notice that your baby tries to, to really imitate you. And it can be a lot of fun to watch your baby kind of get excited and smile at you when you smile it just it's it's the beginning of a really rewarding time because baby's waking up some at this point your baby's tear ducts are open so you'll see real tears from your baby but you won't see the big alligator tears coming down that you see later on in life Uh, but but you see the tears and when your baby gets excited you might see the baby making the bicycle motions where he's moving his uh, legs or feet or her arms and legs and you might start hearing gurgles and little coos in your in your baby's vocalizations babies also at this age start to kind of check out their hands and and that sort of thing you may notice direct interest in the hands where your baby's kind of checking it out and saying whoa what's that or you may not notice that um i really haven't ever noticed my babies doing that though other people have definitely noticed their babies doing that and none of my babies have ever had a problem with motor fine motor skills or gross motor skills with grasping things so I think as long as you feel like your baby's beginning to use his or her hands normally and at this age they're not really grasping things it's more just a growing awareness of the hands I wouldn't be too worried but babies at this age still need a lot of cuddling and holding they are wanting to look around more so being upright looking at bright colors looking at faces babies especially love faces is a great thing to do and a great way to check and see is is baby doing okay now at three months of age, this is when your baby's hitting hitting the end of the newborn stage here, and when your baby is lying on uh, his or her stomach, your baby can really lift that head up. Neck control is generally very good, um, and lots of movement in the body, lots of excitement when your baby's excited, um, and baby can push. You might see like little pushing motions as if your baby's trying to do push-ups. Um, babies lean on their elbows, they arch their back, they rock around. Babies at this age sometimes have enough coordination to start getting their hands and other objects to their mouth. Some babies don't have that much coordination, but uh, hand-eye coordination is definitely starting to develop at this point. So if you have a mobile or uh, a little activity gym or something over your baby, your baby may like to bap at that. Uh, and I've had my littler babies, my last couple babies, we've had an activity gym. And it, they really seem to enjoy that for at least a few minutes uh, at a time and give me a few minutes of, of hands-free time. Babies at this age, they have a really strong grip. Actually, the really strong grip is normal from newborn time. But you can lift your baby up and your baby will like to stand and kind of bounce almost when you're holding on to him or her. But they can't stand on their own yet, but they like that. And you'll probably hear some more vocalization from your baby. Um, Increasing numbers of cues and a repertoire of goos and gurgles. And giggling, and baby definitely notices you, sees daddy, they get excited by mom and dad, grandma, anybody else who's a regular caretaker. 
baby really likes likes seeing the person that he or she loves or the people that he or she loves. Four months of age, this is the kind of quintessential baby age. When you see babies in advertisements, they're usually in this four to five to six month range is the age range that they like to use babies in marketing because this is just the baby rolls of baby fat and generally a good smile and maybe just starting sitter. So they have that kind of starting sitter look to them and just super sweet and curious about everything, inquisitive, and starting to, really starting to take the world in. Babies at four months have really good head control. They can roll from side to side. A baby, babies can take an object at this age usually. Some babies are a little bit slower. Um, and some babies are starting to really reach out purposefully it's it's not quite as erratic as the bapping that might have happened last month or if your baby wasn't bapping last month it might be starting to happen now babies like being upright at this point most babies cannot sit upright on their own but in your lap your baby can sit upright and you can help encourage good posture with your baby by sitting your baby up on your lap and supporting him or her under the armpits rather than letting your baby slouch back uh, into your, up against your body now. I'm not saying never do that because sometimes you're not going to want to hold baby out a little bit. You're going to want to have baby with just one arm well supported. But it does encourage good posture and give a little stretch to baby's spine when you hold baby a little bit farther away from your body and support your baby uh, with your hands under his or her armpits. Again, your baby can roll from side to side. Some babies can roll from tummy to back at this time. So this is the time to watch out on the changing table and and really use that strap. Don't walk away from your baby. And reaching, grasping skills are getting even better. This is the age where you might might start hearing baby laughs. And your baby just loves to be with you, loves to interact with you. Babies like putting things in their mouths. At this age, they might not be able to do it real well, but they're getting really close. And again, the imitation that you started seeing just a few weeks ago is really starting to get sophisticated now. And they like it when you talk to them. They like to imitate you. They like to have a conversation with you. They just love that eye-to-eye interaction and contact with you. Your five-month-old baby, this is, the, this is when your baby may be getting to the point where he or she can sit up. Some babies start to sit up on their own at five months. Some wait till six months or so, but it's normal for, for starting at this age. And your baby's just really getting mobile, very squirmy, so always watch. Very squirmy, very kicky. Um, so if even if you have your baby on a surface and he or she can't roll, sometimes just the force of their kicks is enough to propel their body off the surface, either backwards or forwards. And I've had this happen with babies, which is why I share it. So they're really into kicking and moving and wiggling and wriggling. And even if your baby is not moving, he or she can fall off of a surface. So be careful. If you hold your baby up at this age, head control is great. And if you hold your baby up, like we talked about, with a three-month-old, if you're holding your baby up under the arms in a standing position, you'll really probably see a lot of kicking and bouncing and moving with his or her feet. Some babies like it more than others. Our Corwin, who is seven months old now, but but by this point at five months, he was definitely what you would call a bouncing baby boy. He just loved bounce, bounce, bounce. 
Most babies can roll from their tummies to their backs at this point. Some babies from their back to their tummy. Um, baby is very interested in you at this point and watching everything you do, eating or typing or anything that you're doing. Your baby likes to watch you and may try and reach out and grab at this point. Baby is making a bigger variety of sounds and just really likes to babble and talk. When your baby hears sounds, you should see him or her moving towards the sound, you know, showing you that he has that he can hear and has an awareness of what direction the sound is coming from. Babies may start to have stranger anxiety at this point if they didn't already. They're looking around and, and not liking it that there's a stranger and they want mama or they want daddy. And if your baby's upset, then seeing mama or daddy is usually a very good comfort. Um, picking baby up when he or she is upset comforts them. And at this point, your baby is really strong, starting to develop a strong grasp and desire to hold on to you when being carried. Some babies will do this even earlier, but you'll notice that your baby almost seems to be trying to hang on and support his or herself uh, when you guys are walking. At six months old, babies can sit. Some babies still need support. Some babies are very stable sitting up at this point. Um, most babies can roll from back to stomach. And babies will start to be able to transfer an object from hand to hand. And this is one of the things that will probably come up on your uh at your baby's doctor visit this is something that doctors ask about because it tends to be an important developmental milestone and then also putting things in their mouth if baby isn't putting things in his or her mouth yet by this six month point it's probably going to start now and it's a good time to to watch for your baby to be putting things in his or her mouth i'm going to share with you in a little bit about galen and our experience with him and he is my only baby that never put anything in his mouth and then he ended up having uh, issues and so that that was kind of an interesting little developmental milestone that i thought was curious but never really thought anything about could indicate a, an upcoming issue but it did actually for him so usually you want to see that your baby is putting things in his or her mouth your baby is reaching for objects grabbing for objects very interested in everything going on interested in banging on the keyboard that you're trying to type on grabbing things off your desk baby is interested in grabbing food uh, off your plate this does not necessarily indicate a readiness for solid foods. This indicates a curiosity about everything. And it's really normal for babies to grab at things. So if you're ready to start food, if your little one's ready to start food, that's fine. But it doesn't. it's not necessarily a sign that your baby wants solids. It's a sign that your baby wants everything he or she can get her hands on. Your baby can definitely start to discern your tone of voice at this point. And so if you're yelling or you're upset, your baby will often reflect that by getting upset too. Um, and if you're really happy, your baby will reflect that by being happy. So babies are starting to... Babies have a lot of emotional awareness right from the get-go. Actually, research shows even from in the womb. But at this point, it will really become very aware even to you when you may not have expected it. At seven months, this is where my little core one is right now. At seven months, your baby is probably doing really well with sitting up or uh, is at least getting more stable with sitting up. And your baby may be trying to make crawling movements on his or her tummy. And 
if if you're holding on to your baby's hands or you know your baby's holding your fingers really your baby may straighten out his or her legs and kind of try to stand up some babies do this some babies don't um usually they say don't lift babies up by their arms I will admit that I'm guilty of lifting my baby up by arms, but they say lift baby by the armpits if you're helping your baby stand up because um, because baby's joints and things are really soft and you don't want to pull something out of place. Seven months old is a good time to start experimenting with soft finger foods, mash things uh Avocado is a favorite of babies, but it's not really easy to pick up. Um, so chunks of cooked sweet potato, avocado if your baby can pick them up, banana, that sort of thing uh, are, are good finger foods for a baby to try out at this point. Your baby looks around for you when he or she hears you, and the the range of sounds, you might start hearing mamas at this point and dadas and that sort of thing as your baby gets more and more intentional with sounds, though it's all Excuse me, it's also normal not to hear all of those sounds. At eight months old, this is the time when most babies are ready to start solids. If your baby has been a slow solid starter, usually by eight or nine months, even the most reluctant baby is ready to start solids. Uh, so if your baby gets to this point and hasn't started yet, it's really start it's time to start trying and offering frequently. At eight months, it's normal for babies to be able to kind of creep along on their tummies. Some babies can pull themselves up on furniture, may not be able to get back down again. And some babies can stand up leaning onto furniture. Babies can sit up without support at this point, and they sit pretty straight. Um, Actually, babies sit pretty straight right from the get-go and have beautiful posture. If you look at the posture of a baby uh, that has gotten to where they really have good back control and can sit up on their own it's optimal posture it's a good example for you Uh, by eight months baby can hold on to toys for long periods of time babies can hold on to toys earlier but you'll notice that they often drop them they definitely want to be shoving everything in their mouths and at this point babies may even begin to start picking up small things and you'll be amazed the small things that they'll find and pick up on Babies really babble, and they tend to babble uh, in a pattern that sounds sounds are similar to the baby's native language. It's really pretty cool. At nine months, again, by this point, your baby should probably be eating. Um, and if you're getting to nine months and your baby's not eating, uh, then... You'll find out from our experience with Galen, but you may want to get an evaluation done to see if there's anything going on there um, and to see if there's maybe a different way that you should work on eating. Uh, But you're probably going to have a baby who's at least eating some. Breastfed babies uh, aren't going to be eating a ton, probably not full gourmet meals or anything, but, but eating and experimenting with food. At this age, your baby may be crawling. It's normal for babies to crawl 6, 8, 9, 10 months. Those are normal crawling ranges. Your baby might be crawling steps. Some pe- some babies go up and down steps, climb steps, before they really even start crawling. So watch it if you've got steps. Your baby can sit by his or herself and look around and still stay sitting without falling down, usually. And your baby may also be able to stand for a little bit. 
is probably not taking steps, but some babies may be starting to cruise and walk at this point. You don't need to put shoes on your baby to help them learn to walk. Um, your baby can play with more than one thing at a time at this point purposefully. And you'll usually be hearing mama and dada by this point if you haven't heard it yet. Babies understand simple sentences. Again, they understand tone and inflection in your voice. They know if you say no that they're being naughty and that they're doing something they're not supposed to do. And, uh, and they, like, they like talking. They like babbling. They like talking to you. And so you'll hear things like mama and dada. Uh, but you'll also hear a lot of babble that's just different experimentation and stringing together of words. Ten-month-old babies, usually crawling, usually enthusiastic about foods, usually doing pretty well climbing stairs. Babies at this age can cruise, which means they hang onto the furniture and they walk along the furniture, or if you're holding your baby's hands, they'll walk along the floor and cruise while you hold their hands. Uh, at this age, babies can usually get down from a standing position. They'll be able to sit down and get up, even if they're not walking. And finger foods are definitely all the rage at this point. They're doing really well grasping and holding things. Uh, they understand simple sentences and inflection. And they're, uh, they may say the same things over and over, kind of practicing with it. Or they may just babble. Um, they, they tend to be jealous at this point. They know when somebody else is getting the attention that they want. And again, they're really just trying to imitate, trying to learn children up until, uh, up through early childhood, up until six or seven are really very imitative creatures. So that's something you're going to see along the way. As your baby moves into 11 months old, probably getting pretty good at standing, really good at cruising, maybe walking, maybe walking well, may have been walking for a couple months, may still be a couple months away from walking. All of that's normal. Your baby can hold a toy and keep it while he or she moves himself, either by crawling or walking. Your baby can wave uh, and turn his or her body. A lot of times babies can cruise holding on with just one hand and they can squat down, bend over to pick something up. Some babies at this point are able to make purposeful marks with a crayon. Some of them are starting to experiment with spoons and things. Um, and they can, it, this actually starting at 9 or 10 months, you can really start working with baby sign language. But at 11 and 12 months, if you've been doing baby sign language, your baby can probably communicate well with sign language. And babies also use signs, uh, not signs, but words. At this point, they can start to use words to indicate something like nummies for nursing or, um, or milk if they want milk or something like that. And babies are still babbling a lot and making a lot of just really intense conversation that doesn't make a whole whole lot of sense. Babies, again, very emotionally perceptive and will pick up on your emotions and things at this point. At 12 months old, your baby, again, pulling up to standing, cruising, some maybe walking. Babies can pick up things with a thumb and a finger for sure by this point. This is called the pincer grasp. It's another developmental milestone that your baby's doctor will be looking for. Being able to stack blocks one on top of the other. This is another developmental milestone that your doctor may ask you about if baby can do. Um, 
If you ask your baby to hand you a toy, baby will hand it to you. That's another developmental milestone to look for. That your baby is affectionate, likes to snuggle with you and be with mama or daddy. And able to follow simple directions, even if you have to gesture a little bit. And your baby may be saying words at this point, maybe even two and three words at a time. But it's also normal for baby not to be doing that. Uh, let me make sure I've not missed anything in my notes here. Your baby may want to, want to feed him or herself, probably not have much patience with you f- feeding, might point. And again, still lots of babbling. And definitely strangers, not liking strangers. Um, and babies are very individual about their likes and dislikes and whether they're a risk taker or not. So a lot of that depends on your depends on your baby. Okay, so that's an outline of what would be considered normal development. Uh, and I'm going to give you some resources at the end with, with these things actually written out so that you'll be able to go back over them. And one of them also gives things to Uh, to discuss with your baby's doctor or to look into more if you're not seeing these things. An example would be on the four-month sheet, um, if your baby doesn't watch things when they're moving, doesn't smile at people, or can't hold their head steady at all, or coo or make sounds, then then those could be possible warning signs. That's for the four-month-old. And this sheet has some possible warning signs that you'll be able to look over. And the link to that sheet will be in the show notes for this episode, or actually it's a packet of sheets, and it goes in two-month increments. So I'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. What I want to talk about right now is what to do if you are worried about your baby's development. The first thing that you should do is review the range of normal. Because I just went over... Every month, month by month, and you heard me say, your baby may be doing this. Or if your baby wasn't doing that last month, baby may be doing it this month. And essentially, there's a really wide range of normal for many of these developmental milestones. And your baby may come in at the very end of that range of normal. Your baby may be very ahead in that range of normal. So make sure you review the range of when your baby may do this. And that can give you some peace of mind, too. Ask, my, ask yourself, do I feel comfortable with waiting and seeing? So especially if your baby's still in that range, say sitting up, uh, an early sitter would be five months, uh, the normal is kind of six to seven months, and then getting stable at eight or nine months. So if your baby is, is late in that range, but say baby's just turned seven months and you're worried because she's not sitting up, well, ask yourself, am I comfortable waiting because my baby's still within the range of normal? Uh, so I think it's important to ask yourself, how do I feel? Do I feel comfortable with a wait-and-see approach? Or do I want a second opinion? Do I want to discuss this? And that could be something as simple as I mention it to my baby's doctor, and he or she acknowledges it, and then we both decide, well, we're going to wait and see what's going on at the next visit. And that can give you enough reassurance to just watch your baby in his or her pace. If you've had another child who was an early developer, or if your friend has a baby who's hitting developmental milestones really early, you can feel more nervous, and sometimes just getting that second opinion can help you calm down and and realize that your baby's pacing is going to be unique. 
Now, what if, uh, what if your baby has a real problem and you and your doctor agree that it might be time to get some intervention or you bring it up to your baby's doctor and he or she says yes, then you can progress on to the next step. But what if, what if your doctor doesn't take your baby's concerns seriously or what if you realize that your baby does really have developmental delays that need to be addressed? These are both situations where you need to become your baby's advocate. And this could grow into being your child's advocate as your baby grows out of babyhood. I would encourage you that if you're really concerned, even if the doctor seems not concerned, you can push for further evaluation. So you can push to say, I'd like to see a physical therapist or an occupational therapist or a speech therapist. Um, Or as we'll talk about in a minute, I'd really like an evaluation by early intervention in my community. You can push for these things. Even if, even if you're, you feel like your concerns are not being taken seriously by the doctor, you should still push for your baby's sake. And waiting lists can be long, so push for an appointment. Especially if you're worried about something like an autism spectrum disorder, anything like that tends to have really long waiting lists to get in for an evaluation to see a specialist. So especially if your concern is for something like that, then say, I want to get a second opinion, I want to get this evaluation done, and what do we need to do to schedule it? Because you're talking a waiting list that could be six months long, and you want to get your child on that schedule so that your child can get that evaluation. And if you're worried about something like I'll share with Galen and his feeding issues, I mean, every week that went by was agony because we could see him losing weight. And, and you just, you don't want to wait. You push to get the appointment if you're really worried. Even if your care provider doesn't agree with you, you're the parent and you have the right to a second opinion. I would encourage you to keep careful notes if your baby is getting any kind of special evaluations. Um, first, observe your baby and make notes in your baby. What you see happening with your baby or what you don't see happening with your baby. You can take photos. uh, You can take video. Sometimes, again, especially if it's something that you're worried about like autism, your child won't display the same behaviors in a doctor's office or an evaluator's office because it's a totally different situation that you see at home. And at this point, um, video footage especially can be very helpful for your child. and especially for things like social issues where your baby doesn't seem to be even interacting with you the way that you would expect. It's normal for babies not to like strangers, so it's harder to, to evaluate something. But if a video footage can show that baby just doesn't really seem to be making eye, t- eye contact and social contact, even with mama and daddy, then that can be valuable to help you. Also, take careful notes from your appointments and phone calls that you make. So who you talk to, write down the dates, the phone numbers, the conversation notes from the conversation or notes from the appointment. And I'm talking about for every interaction with everybody, doctors, specialists, receptionists, insurance representatives, early intervention specialists. If the school district is involved, which sometimes happens with early intervention, even with infants. So school district representatives, hospital staff, therapists, caseworkers or social workers, if you're assigned one, depending on what system you're going for or if you're asking for support from the government, sometimes you'll need a caseworker for that. Take notes on that interaction. Everyone, everything, 
take notes. And I would recommend that you keep these notes chronologically. So you have a notebook or you have a file on your computer or if you use something like Evernote in Evernote or in OneNote, I would keep a chronological record. So what happened on April 1st, April 2nd, June 1st, June 2nd. And that way you have them all in order. And you can say, look, I called for this appointment at this time or I talked to this district representative at this time. And that's important. And also if you find that you need to go um, to politicians, state representatives, senators in the United States, um, if you find that you need to go to a politician to advocate for your child, which can sometimes happen, especially if you're advocating for services, uh, then you want to keep good records of all those calls. So really for anything and everybody, keep notes because you're your child's advocate. And remember that your child is your child. Treatment programs should fit your family, your values, you want to make sure that this is something that resonates with you. And if there is a treatment that you are interested in trying that perhaps your team is not interested in trying, you have the right to seek a second opinion. If you're not comfortable with a treatment that they are recommending, you have the right to seek a second opinion. You can take good notes, keep good notes, keep good notes about contacting people for the second opinion. Um, there's an older movie that's a really good movie. My husband and I just happened to watch it recently. It's called First Do No Harm, and I would recommend that you watch this, but it was about a little boy who had epilepsy, so he was having a lot of seizures, and they they were putting him on increasingly heavy drug regimes to try and control the seizures, and they were just getting worse and worse. And his mom read about the ketogenic diet, which is a diet that has been proven to help keep epilepsy under control and in some children completely removes seizures and his mom wanted to try it and they just really got a lot of resistance and um and finally she fought and managed to get her son on the diet and he did in fact improve uh that's not to say that any any child on epilepsy would improve with the ketogenic diet but the movie is a good illustration of how a parent advocated for her child and did what it took to get him what he needed and you as a parent have that right for your baby too now where will you go if you're worried besides the pediatrician most countries have a program like early intervention is what it's usually called in the united states but this is usually a hotline that you can call and you can let them know that you're worried about your baby's development usually they come out to your house and they'll do a developmental assessment of your child at least in the United States, these programs must address your concerns. If you call and say that you're worried, even if it ultimately turns out that there is nothing wrong or your baby only has a mild delay and you decide not to do anything, they still have to come out in a timely fashion, address your concerns, and do a full evaluation. So even if your pediatrician disagrees with you, you can usually still call the early intervention services in your county, your state, your country, and they'll come out and, and, and look over your kiddo and tell you if things look right developmentally. They also must be respectful of your family and your family's values and choices. They work to make sure that the times work for you. They accommodate everybody in the family. They, they take into consideration that baby has parents and siblings and that this is a family affair. It's not just the baby and they try and make things work for the entire family and are also respectful of your belief system and your values. And they can be really good. These resources are a good 
They're a good starting point because they help connect you with everything else in your community. So if it turns out that your baby has a disability or a delay, there may be a support group in your area to deal with that. They would know the support group and who to get you in contact with. And they'll know all kinds of resources like therapists and medical resources and that sort of thing to help your baby uh, and your child as you address whatever the, the issue is. I know that we're running a little bit late here, but I'm going to keep going um, and share with you because I wanted to share with you our experiences. I'll try and make them a little bit brief. Um, and we've had, I've had experiences with three of my children. Uh, one child, I decided to get help. One, I decided to get an evaluation and then wait. And the other, I just decided to wait on. So let me tell you about the, the two waiters first. Um, first was my first child, Cassidy. And I was concerned because uh, at around 16, 17 months old, she wasn't talking. And everything said she should be talking, she should be babbling, and she was just really quiet. And my doctor agreed with me that it would probably be okay or or, uh, prudent to get her evaluated. So I took her to a speech therapist who evaluated her. And the speech therapist said uh, essentially that she was, and by this point she was around 18 months old, she said that she she had a little bit of a speech delay, but... Otherwise, everything seemed normal and that she would recommend just waiting and seeing and coming back in for an evaluation when she turned two. Well, that's what I decided to do was just wait and see. And by the time Cassidy turned two, she had started talking. And as we like to tease her, she had not shut up since. So she just, words came like water, and she was talking. So she had a delay, but then when she started, it was just, she took off babbling. Um, Our other was Honor, our watch and wait baby, and she is number five. And with Honor, it was that she didn't walk, and she didn't walk and she didn't walk and she didn't walk. I've always had late walkers. My babies have walked on average around 13 or 14 months. So of course I wasn't at all worried um, when 13 months rolled around, when 14 months rolled around, when 15 months rolled around, I was thinking, okay, she's really not going to walk. 16 months, 17 months. She was, she was pulling up and she was cruising, but she was not walking. I was a little bit concerned, but because she was pulling up, because she was cruising, because she was active, energetic, happy, I could see that she was thriving developmentally. Um, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to get early intervention involved. I didn't want to worry about it, and I kind of said in my head, that okay, when she gets to if she gets to eighteen months and goes beyond that without walking, then we'll call early intervention, and because eighteen months is actually the range of normal, it's the very end of normal is eighteen months, and so honor her the last day of being eighteen months passed, and it was actually Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve she turned nineteen months old, and on Christmas Eve she started walking. So it was the day that she turned 19 months old, and she just got up and took off. There was no uncertainty. 
There was no wobbly. It was she walked and then she ran. And actually, she went through just an entire huge developmental spurt at that point. She was 19 months, started walking, started running. She started talking and uh, full sentences. And then just a couple months later, she fully potty trained too. So she just went from being a baby to being a toddler overnight. And she was she was one of my most trying watch and wait and see because she really pushed it to the very edge there. But like I said, I was seeing other things that were making me feel comfortable that she was developing normally, and therefore I felt comfortable waiting. And uh, and if she had not started walking, then I would have mentioned it at her next doctor's appointment and probably called an early intervention. But she was at the very far end of normal. Now our child that we decided to get help with, I've mentioned a couple of times, was Galen, and he was our fourth baby. And uh, when he didn't want to eat anything at six months, I wasn't too worried. When he didn't want anything at seven months, I wasn't too worried. Uh, most of my or my other two boys had started eating around seven to eight months, and then Cassidy had started eating around nine months. And so I wasn't worried when Galen didn't want to eat at six, seven, eight months. At nine months, I was starting to wonder a little bit, hey, is this kid ever going to start eating? At 10 months, feeling a little bit more anxious. At 11 months and 12 months, I could really tell that he was not getting all the nutrition that he needed for my milk. And he had really essentially not grown from about six or seven months. See, he was about the same size. And his doctor, frankly, was, I think she was concerned by his size, but um, I don't know how seriously she was taking me but she did say, okay, you can call early intervention about it. And I called early intervention, and they were <laughs> they were a little bit skeptical, which was frustrating for me. Uh, but I finally said, look, he's my fourth baby, and I can tell that something is not right. And so between early intervention and the doctor, we finally got a referral to the feeding clinic um, at our local hospital system, and all of that was a little bit frustrating. This was during the cold weather, so Galen often had pilot caps on, and they would make comments. The early intervention people would sometimes make comments like, maybe he can't eat because he's got his little hat tied on, and it's just like, you know, come on, that's not it. We finally, once we got in for an appointment with the feeding clinic, had an evaluation there. Um, There was definitely something going on. He had something sensory going on, If you'll remember, I said earlier in the podcast that Galen never put anything in his mouth when he was a baby. And I think that this was a sort of sensory thing that stemmed, or that stemmed from whatever the sensory issues he had going on in his mouth were. And I had always done baby-led weaning with my others, where they basically just kind of fed themselves free choice. With Galen, we had to go all the way back to purees, and I'll admit that I've done purees with my babies since then, Honor and Corwin, just uh, just because those are not happy memories of how much weight Galen lost. But we had to go back to purees and very, very agonizingly slowly. Um, I have the entire story in my book, First Bites and Beyond, which is a book on feeding babies, and I also include resources if you have a have a baby like Galen. But it was it was slow, slow but steady, with some steps back, some steps forward. And now, at age four, he's almost five now. Um, he eats normally, and eats well, and he's growing well. He's still a little bit short for his age, but he's doing very well. 
Um, and I'm really glad that we went through early intervention. They followed up with us for about a year uh, until he was really doing well and had really come over the hump and was thriving. And then we actually happened to run into it. was about a year ago now. But we happened to run into uh, the early intervention counselor that we had while we were at a park with Galen and she just couldn't believe seeing Galen and how big and active he was and that was that was really enjoyable to run into her but overall it was a good experience I felt like there was a little bit of friction there getting it started when I wasn't being taken seriously which is one of the reasons why I really shared with you that you need to be your child's advocate but once the ball got rolling everybody was wonderful his therapists were wonderful we eat um you know, we eat pretty much a whole foods diet, uh, and we don't have any weed in the house generally because my husband's intolerant to it. And they were really good at working with us to try and make sure that wheat stayed out of Galen's diet because we didn't want to introduce an allergy to him or anything. And it was overall a good experience, and I'm glad that we decided to get help. So if you feel like you need help with your baby or that your baby is delayed, I would urge you to... Again, evaluate that range of normal and see if you're comfortable with waiting. But if you really have a concern, go with your gut. Actually, that segues nicely into the next thing I wanted to talk about. Balance everything. So what I want you to... I share this podcast episode, as I said, because I feel like it's something that so many parents are concerned about nowadays. But don't, don't watch the chart and watch your baby so much that you stress yourself out. Babies have been going at their own pace for thousands and thousands of years and have been just fine. If your baby is a little bit slow like our honor was, my babies have never met the rolling over milestones very well, but they're all happy, healthy children today. I mean, so there may be something that your baby just isn't really hitting as well but you feel comfortable with it like with honor I saw that she was pulling up I saw that she was active and engaged she was crawling and that sort of thing so I wasn't too worried you may feel like that and 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 that really boils down to trust your gut watch your baby and listen to your own gut what does it say to you about your little one Beyond that, some further resources. I have an actual a one-page quick sheet that covers developmental milestones, and it also actually covers common growth spurts for breastfed babies. And I, I made this sheet up when I did the podcast episode on uh, on growth spurts and uh, in nursing. And I'll link back to that podcast for you. I can't remember which number it was right now, but uh, but that is kind of like a one-page quick glance sheet to look at milestones if you're interested in that. Some other resources, the worksheet or the sheets that I was talking about that tell you what what to look for your child not doing. It's it's the worksheets from the CDC's Act Early worksheet packet or fact sheet packet, I guess handouts. And it has a checklist of what your baby should be doing and also some possible red flags if your baby is not doing the things in that box. You may want to bring it up to your baby's doctor. And I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, 
Another resource is, is Text for Baby, and I think this resource is only available in the United States, but there may be something equivalent in your country. Text for Baby, you can get it in either English or Spanish, and it's text messages about baby development um, and also pregnancy. You can go ahead and subscribe during pregnancy. There's no charge to your phone for the text messages. It's provided free of charge, and it gives you little tidbits of information. Usually two or three times a week you'll get a text of information about what your baby should be doing at that point or what's going on with your pregnancy if you're still pregnant. And it goes all the way up through your baby's first year. Generally, the advice is pretty good. There's some standard advice like you get recommendations about immunization and things like that and if you're delaying vaccines you'll want to just disregard that message but but there are some good interesting tidbits and definitely you get some information about milestones and that sort of thing it also lets you know about uh, resources available here in the united states for instance health insurance wick and that sort of thing if if you need help with caring for your baby or if you need financial help it mentions those resources too also, you can text in to text for baby, again, free of charge, with your appointment date and time, and they'll text you an appointment reminder, which is nice if you tend to forget doctor's appointments or prenatal appointments. Um, I've, I've subscribed to text for baby for my last two pregnancies, and though there are some texts, like I said, that I choose to disregard, all in all, um, I enjoy seeing what comes in, and I enjoy seeing if my baby's doing what it says my baby should be doing at that point. My favorite resource for keeping up with baby development and baby milestones is the Just in Time newsletter series, and I will link to these in the show notes. These are from the University Extension Services in the United States. Um, state universities one university in each state is a land-grant university and they get funds from the government to do research into agricultural and home economic issues and so the home economic covers a lot of child development and parenting things so the extension service has a newsletter series that uh, they actually have one for the first second and third trimester and then they have a newsletter series that goes for every month in your baby's first year and then throughout every few months all the way up until your baby turns five. So they have a huge newsletter series and each one is really well done. They're, um, they're full color, they're available in English and Spanish and they, uh, they have a lot of good information. Some of the standard advice, like immunize your baby at this point and this, that, and the other. But on the whole, they're well-balanced. They give a lot of information about developmental milestones. There's a lot of information on taking care of yourself as a parent. Um, there are health issues, family issues, parenting issues. They're just really nice. Each They have one a month, like I said, for the baby's first year. And each one covers... Um, is several pages long and covers a range of topics. So I will link to those in the show notes for you because they're my favorite, a really good resource to look over, really well done, and I think that you'll enjoy them. And I'm not sure, but I think that you can actually sign up to get them emailed to you. So I'm going to link you to the page that has every newsletter on it so you can just download them. But you can also, uh, I think you can sign up and get them emailed to you. you can, I'll look into that and put it in the show notes for you. Okay, 
so that's the end of this episode. I know we've gone really long. I haven't done a long one like this in a while, and I'm sorry for going over, but there was just, there's so much to cover. It's such a loaded topic, uh, and I felt like it was important. But before I go, if you would like to sign up, if you're pregnant right now and would like to sign up for my free mini-series on preparing for pregnancy and birth and also get our Trust Birth 101 MP3 and our little uh, guide to planning a natural birth, then you can go to Trust Birth 101, that's TrustBirth101.com and sign up there to get that free newsletter. I would love to have you. A lot of you have sent me an email in uh, when you get your first couple newsletter or your first couple issues of that and said, hey, I found you on the podcast and I really love that feedback. I really appreciate that. And uh, a lot of you have left me ratings on iTunes and I've gotten a couple of you have let me know that you found me on Stitcher and I really, really appreciate that you guys take a minute to let me know that you heard about me or leave me a rating on iTunes or Stitcher, that you're adding me to your playlists and Stitcher. I just, I love hearing that and I appreciate that. And I want to encourage you that if you haven't left feedback or if you haven't gotten in contact with me and you've been meaning to, just take a couple minutes or even a couple seconds for a rating and, and, and give me a rating there in iTunes or in Stitcher and let me know what you're thinking, what you'd like to hear from me, how I can improve. I would love to hear from you and I will see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com visit www.birthbabylife.com